0: If you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 13. And uh, I'm excited about, about today's teaching. Um, it's one of those things like, uh, I, I was so excited about it last night, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. But hopefully it'll be good. Uh, if it's not good, man, just enjoy the sunshine like that. <laughs> I'm going to teach facing this way. Um, in Matthew chapter 13... Jesus is sitting by the Sea of Galilee when people begin to come and crowd around him. See, people would often gather around a rabbi's feet to to catch the pearls of wisdom that would fall from their lips. And on this occasion, in Matthew chapter 13, the very beginning, Jesus tells them the story of a farmer. He says, listen, there once was this farmer and he took seed and he scattered it everywhere. And some of the seed fell on the hard path between the fields. And, and some of the seed fell on the shallow ground. It's, it's only an inch of good earth with rock underneath it. And, and some of the seed even fell in the thorns. But there were some seed that fell in the good soil. You guys ever heard this before? We heard this teaching uh, in uh, verse thirty-four of chapter thirteen. It says that that Jesus always, like he always, used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to crowds. In fact, it says he never spoke to them without using such. What's the word? What do we call them? Parables. Let's face it. Like the stories, the parables of Jesus are are maybe the best known stories in the world. And Matthew. Uh, Matthew's gospel, more than any other gospel, records more parables, 17 parables or stories of Jesus in Matthew. This parable of the sower is actually just one of seven very similar parables in chapter 13 alone. And one of the things that happened is that after Jesus tells this parable in verse 10 of chapter 13, His disciples gather around Jesus, and they simply ask, why do you speak to the people in parables? You always talk to us in these parables. Why do you speak to the people in parables? So today, like, I love that question. Like, why do you use parables? Um, Everybody, anyone ever just like, why don't you just tell me straight out? You know, just speak plain to me is, is almost what they're saying. You know, but but he doesn't do that. He is why. Why are you always teasing us with these parables? Why are, why are you always using parables? Like that's an intriguing question to me. So today uh, we're we're gonna spend some time around that question. Why did Jesus use parables? And so usually what happens when somebody teaches on parables, they walk through the parables and then they tell you, this is what the parable of the sower means. So, uh, and that's awesome and that's great. And I think you should do that. And, and maybe this week, read Matthew 13, read all seven parables that, that Jesus has in that chapter and, and try to discover the meaning for yourself. But, but today I want to talk more uh, about why Jesus used parables and what that means for us. All right. So does that make sense? I'm not going to tell you the meaning of the parables. I'm going to. I want to look at the parable itself and ask the question. Okay, why? Why use parables? the The first answer is because Jesus is a teacher. And Matthew is a teaching gospel, and and parables are instruments for teaching the church. Uh, in fact, they always have been. Uh, they would have been incredibly familiar. This is. Uh, the people weren't like the people gathered at Jesus' feet. They weren't like, man, this is the first time I ever heard a parable. No, like that's how that's how they taught. That it was a very Jewish rabbinic style of teaching. Uh, Jesus wasn't the first one to kind of tap into this power of parable, and and a parable really is like a, a, a metaphor or like simile. That, like that's what I would say. Uh, a parable is this. This uh, it literally means close beside. Like, um, you're sitting close beside somebody right now. Like, it's to bring two things and put them up side by side together and then compare them. That's what a simile is. Like, it's a comparison using like or as, right? Those of you know, I don't know grammar. I look that up. Like, I'm, this is my notes right there. Simile, I don't know what a metaphor is, but I know a simile uses like or as. To make a comparison to Jesus as a teacher. He's like, how do I, how do I demonstrate this? Jesus also uses parables to get the attention of his audience. And I love this. Uh, I love what William Barclay says. I think I have that quote. Uh, Barclay says, the parable is essentially a sword to stab men's minds awake. Oh, I love that. Right? Like it's it's this he pokes pokes us in the head, to wake us up a little bit, you know. Like um, and by that it, it just means that. That a parable is, is for Jesus, is, is like it's incredibly creative. Do you see that? Do you see the creativity in Jesus' parables? And, and that shouldn't surprise us. I mean, John's gospel tells us that Jesus, there when creation was born, like he is a creator. That is part of the nature of God. And, and really, Jesus' use of parables teaches, teaches us that there's no limits to Jesus' creativity. Do you see that? In his parables, he's willing to use anything and everything if it can stab men's minds awake. If it has a chance of waking us up, he's going to use it. And I think all great teachers love the moment. Any teachers in here? You guys ever taught? Anybody? My favorite moment as a teacher is when the light bulb goes off. You can see it. You know what I'm talking about? You can see it in their eyes. And like, there's lots and lots of days, uh, like uh, AC's teaching our student ministry right now and I'm in there, like, there's lots of, there's too many days where we're in there and the light bulb never comes on. The light bulb's not awake yet. The light bulb, but we fight and we struggle for that moment where the light bulb goes off. And, And like, for Jesus, parables are light bulb machines. Like, this is the whole purpose. Like, how can I get this idea of cross? Why does Jesus use parables? I think he uses parables to, to speak to every man. By that, I mean Jesus uses parables to speak to all of us, to everyone. Um, it's interesting to me, at least, uh, and, and maybe you haven't ever thought of it this way to note, but that, that Jesus likely spoke these parables completely off the cuff, like, on the spot. He used these, the, the, like, at least there's no indication that he spent hours of time, no gospel records. Well, Jesus spent six hours crafting this perfect parable to explain this. Like, no, no, no. Like, usually there's crowds of people around him, and he's looking for a way to explain or compare something, then he holds it up. In Matthew 13... When Jesus is sitting in a boat trying to explain heavenly realities to earthly people, he's like, how do I get this message across? How do I teach these people? It's entirely possible that he was looking around the shoreline and actually saw a farmer sowing seeds. You see how this works? Like, have you ever been in that moment that you're trying to explain something to someone else and you start looking around, you know, like, well, it's kind of like this mic stand. No, it's not like the mic stand. It's, you know, it, you know. have you ever been in that place? I watched uh, uh, when my daughter was taking uh, swimming lessons at the YMCA. So, man, God God bless those swimming instructors. Like, you have, <laughs> like, like, she, uh, uh, I don't know, the sw- sweet swim instructor, and she has all these little kids lined up on the edge of the pool. You know what I'm saying? You can picture it. And the swim instructor is like, here's how you do this, and here's how you do this. And then she said, now I need everybody to hold their breath. Crickets. Like These kids, like two and three and four years old, like they didn't know what that, hold my breath, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, and she, she clearly ran into this place like, okay, they don't understand. They don't know what I'm saying. And she started, I see her start like looking around, like how can, I, how can I explain this in a way that they will understand? And what she said was like, okay, I want all of you kids to catch a bubble in your hands. And they all did this, right? And then she said, okay, now I want you all to put the bubble in your mouth. And they all did this. <gasps> right? That wasn't premeditated. It was in that moment. She needed a way to get across the message. It was it happened spontaneously. And I think if you look carefully at Jesus' teaching, like more than likely this is spontaneous stuff. Look at look at the look at the things he uses to teach. For example, I mean 90% of his parables are, are agricultural in nature. Why? Yeah, I mean, that's who he was talking to. I think he used what was at hand. He used what would have been familiar to his audience. And, and I think it's important to note, too, that, that the parables of Jesus aren't complex. Like, we can get them today. Like, these are technical. They're, they're, they're not technical ideas meant for theologians and scholars or, or literary experts. Jesus spoke in pictures. In a way that was intentionally comprehensible so that the ordinary mind, the common man, every man, could both understand and respond to the parable. Maybe respond by saying, okay, what must I do? Are you with me? Jesus used parables because he was a teacher. He used parables to stab men's minds awake, to speak to every man. And Jesus uses parables to explain heavenly things to earthly people. Some have even defined parables as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I love what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his in- invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. What it says is, like, all you have to do is look at the world around you. The visible world is designed to make known the invisible things of God. Like If you look closely enough at the things around you, you can start to see the kingdom of God. In fact, in Matthew chapter 13, I already told you Jesus uses seven parables in this one chapter alone. And in each and every one of them, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, right? Simile. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like wheat and weeds. The kingdom of heaven is like, you know what the kingdom of heaven is like? It's like, you see that bag of mustard seeds? You know what the kingdom of heaven is like? It's, it's like yeast. It's like a hidden treasure. It's like a pearl. It's like, see this fishing net in this boat? That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Like I love, like uh, one of the commentators I was reading read, he, he simply wrote that Jesus spoke things Tangible things. He used examples from the immediate world around him, not to confuse or con- to confound, but to explain, to describe that which was hidden. He used things of earth to talk about the kingdom of God. All right, are you with me? Okay, here's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on, on thin ice. There's a problem with Jesus' parables. I just realized this is being recorded. Okay. Um, there's a problem with Jesus' parables. Uh, let me see if I can demonstrate it. I'll use the, the, I'll use the parable of the sower, for example. The, the parable goes like this. Jesus says, listen, a farmer went out to scatter some seeds, and some of the seed fell on the wayside ground, some fell on the rocky ground, the thorny ground, and the good ground. And then the disciples say, why do you always teach him parables? And, and Jesus says, okay, let me explain this to you. And, and clearly, Jesus is supposed to be the farmer. And, and the field is, is the world, is us. And the seed is the word of God or the kingdom of God. And it's a parable about our hearts and minds and attitudes. It's a parable about, it's not about the kingdom or the message. It's about the soil in which the message is received. It's about the receptiveness to God's word which is the only constant. It, it's like, this is how do you receive what I'm casting out there? Are you with me? And he says, some people receive this message about the kingdom like, uh, like they're the wayside ground or the walking path. I don't know if you can imagine, but like in a field, like you don't walk across the middle of somebody's field, but around the edges of the field, there's the, there's the hard packed earth, and seed's going to have a hard time getting through there. It's, it's as hard as pavement. And he says, sometimes this message about the kingdom of God comes to people, comes to us. And it's like, maybe you know this expression. Well, it's like talking to a brick wall. Wayside ground. And he said, uh, some of this seed, some of this message is going to come to people. And it's like a, a, a shallow ground or, or rocky ground. Um, So, uh, I don't know a whole lot about farming or fields, but I know if you only have an inch worth of dirt, that's not going to yield you a great crop, right? Right? And and so what this means is like it's 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 only like the skin of the earth, like like it's incredibly shallow, like like there's no depth or there's no staying power. Like the the seed that falls on shallow ground, like sure, man, it may sprout up, but it's not going to last, right? I saw one commentator said, said about this. He said, it's not easy to be a Christian, but it's easy to start. Shallow. And then he says, uh, some, some of this message about the kingdom of God falls on thorny ground. I heard the expression, one year seeds make seven year weeds. And the thorny ground is, is maybe the easiest for us to identify with. It's the ground that's, it's, it's the life that's so crowded with other things that Christ himself gets crowded out. Are you with me? And then finally, there's the good ground. And, and I want to talk about the good ground at the end. So, I told you, I said, there's a problem with the parables. Uh, what's the problem with the sower parable? You got, any of you see it? Do you know what it is? Let me put it to you this way. Um, how many of you have ever planted a seed? <laughs> More than 10. <laughs> you know, whoop. How many of you have ever sowed a seed? How much do you really know about soil? Dan Bon doesn't get to answer these questions. Um, how much do you know about soil or dirt or planting? How many of you have had to patiently nurture a seed for months until harvest? How many of you have ever had to depend on that seed, knowing that it would determine whether or not your family eats or not? How many of you have ever had to rely, like your whole life, your whole livelihood, how many of you have ever had to rely on a seed that you planted? Are you seeing the problem? Like, like it's a great story, and, and we get it, but Jesus was using, like, he used a story from his time in the ancient Near East, 2,000 years ago, he used a, he used a story from his time. And, and to the people of his time, he spoke in ways that they would understand. He spoke in ways that were familiar. They were all familiar with a sower of seeds. He talked about the here and now, then, then. He used what was at hand to teach about the kingdom of God. And every one of those farmers like, uh, who heard Jesus' story, when Jesus said, some of the seed fell on the path and some fell on the store, in, the, in the thorny ground, there was probably a gasp. <gasps> they would have been shocked to hear of a sower casting seeds on the walking path or into the weeds. Because for them, it it just would not have been done. It would have been a horrible sin to waste seed. Are you with me? The people of Jesus' culture knew the incredible value, like each and every seed was precious and filled with potential. And part of our problem is like, like, how do I translate the value of a seed to um, our folks driving around in electric cars with traffic lights, fast food, Facebook? How does that message get across? Are you with me? All right. So here's our challenge. Demonstrate, it's kind of an issue. I'm going to talk some bold words. If Jesus were here today, like if he came in, said, Adam, great sermon. I'll take it from here. (laughs) Try to think what I would say at that moment. Uh, Yes, please. Um, If he was here, like if if Jesus walked in this room and he said, hey, I want to tell you about the kingdom of God. How would he speak to us? like if he was filled with the exact same purpose that he had in the ancient Near East, a purpose to to tell people about, earthly people about heavenly things, to teach, say, hey, here's what the kingdom of God is like. How do you think he would do it? Would he tell us stories of farmers and seeds? I just saw the light bulb go off in some of your heads. big idea. Jesus is willing to use whatever is at hand, whatever cultural element, whatever tangible example he can to help as many people as possible learn and become a part of the kingdom of heaven. All right, are you with me? And if that was his example, then so should we. So should we. Our challenge is not to just repeat the words of Jesus. And don't get me wrong, I have nothing against the parables of Jesus. They're awesome, and and at some level there is something there for every single one of us. But his example was to use the things of his time and his people and his culture to tell others about the kingdom of heaven. And maybe we should be doing the same thing. To use the things from this world to teach the people of this world about the kingdom of God. All right. Are you with me? Some of you are like, no. <laughs> um, so let's experiment a little bit. I need volunteers. I'm never picking Josh again. Everybody hold me to that. Um, Lily and Grace, you don't have to do anything. Come on up here. You hear what they said? They said, ugh. All right. So, Grace, you're on this side. Lily, you're on this side. There's markers here in between. You can use whatever color you like. I know both of you to be incredibly creative. Have you ever played a uh, Have you ever done a fill in the blank? Yeah. Fill in the blank. You know You know what that's like, right? Okay. So, I want you to use the markers that you have. I'm going to give you a few minutes. I'm going to keep talking and use your markers. Use your whiteboard, Lily. This is your side. This is your team, Grace your side, your team over here. Uh, And at the end, I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you, but I want you to do, all I want you to do is do a fill in the blank. You can write words, you can draw pictures, be as creative as you like, right? So here's here's your fill in the blank. Are you ready? Go ahead and put it, I think we can put it on the screen. It is, what is the kingdom of heaven is like blank. Okay. All right. So, Here's what I'm going to say, audience, you guys too, maybe you got a, one of those, uh, our bulletin handout flyer things. Um, I'm going to keep talking. I want you to answer that same question, fill in the blank, right? So get a pen out. Uh, if, you, if you promise, you can, use your, you can use your iPhone if you promise you're not Facebooking. <laughs> I want you to just, I just want you to fill in the blank. The kingdom of heaven is like, all right, are you Ready? Yeah, I want you guys to fill in the same blank. All right, so the kingdom of heaven is like what? I'm going to give you some examples. I'm going to keep talking. Be creative. What do you think the kingdom of heaven is like? What do you think the kingdom of God is like? All you have to do is a simple fill in the blank, right? This is what Jesus did, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you guys in the audience too. All right, so be ready. You got it? Yeah, fill in the blank. The kingdom of heaven is like asparagus. The kingdom of heaven is like, I don't know, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like Ruth Chris. Yeah. Okay, now I see like something just, a light bulb just went off in somebody's head about that. So um, I was thinking about that. While you're thinking, I'll give you a cu- couple examples, and you guys just do your best. You can do this. I believe in you. Um, so I was thinking about this question, and we even challenged the staff of some this week, like, okay, what is the kingdom of heaven like? Like, Jesus, if, if our example is to follow his example, what is the kingdom of heaven like? And, and so we got off, I got off to a rough start. My, my first attempt was the kingdom of heaven is like the Terminator. You guys know the Terminator? You've seen this movie. I know it's a little bit old. Like, um, it's like the Terminator because it's unstoppable. All right? You with me? And remember what the Terminator always said. He said, I'll be back. And so the kingdom of heaven is this thing that's, that's coming back. I know it starts slow. I'm not Jesus. I'm just telling you, like, this is the exercise, all right? We're exercising. The kingdom of heaven is like fill in the blank. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is like uh, Amazon Prime when uh, your order comes early. Think about it. The kingdom of heaven is like a hidden Wi-Fi network, and somebody gives you the password. Are you there? Are you with me? Uh, one of our staff this week, we were talking about the kingdom of heaven, and and he said the kingdom of heaven is like winning the lottery. Except when you win, you get to share your winnings with everyone you meet, and they win too. Um, I was trying to think, like, what's what's going on in our world right now? What's going on in our culture? What what things from this place can we talk about and use? to explain like what earthly things are happening that we can talk about heavenly realities. And, and there was one that, that came to my mind more than, more than any other. And, uh, it was the flying tomato. You guys know who the flying tomato is? Sean White is the flying tomato. And he just won the gold medal in the Olympics for a snowboard half pipe, right? And, uh, Uh, He won the gold this year, but I want to show you a video from uh, just a quick clip of Sean White in 2010. So uh, uh, in 2014, he crashed and like broke his back and like he didn't win nothing. But in 2010, this was was an epic year, an epic run. And so the kingdom of heaven is like Sean White in 2010. Go ahead and play this clip and, and then I'll try to explain. All right, so what I didn't tell you about this run was that Sean White had already won. He had the highest score in his first run. That was he he had already seen that the gold medal was his and standing at the top of the hill he asked his coaches, "What should I do? Should I just should I just ride down the middle? Should I sit on my board and ride it like a scooter?" Like you know, he said, "I don't know what to do. I've already won." And his coach says, "Why don't you go big?" And he does a trick at the end that had never been done in competition before. The kingdom of heaven feels like that. It is this victory lap, this great thing that we've received, and now we get to share it and show it off. Are you with me? That's also a great picture of what, uh, so sometimes people say, hey, when are you going to teach on the, the book of Revelation? Oh, we want to hear about Revelation. You just watched it. That's what Revelation is all about. If you can get Sean White on winning gold medal on a snowboard, you can get the book of Revelations because it's about victory. The kingdom of heaven is like a flying tomato. The kingdom of heaven is, um, man, there's so many great pictures from the Olympics. The kingdom of heaven is like the opening ceremonies where every tribe and nation and tongue, even the cheating Russians are there. (laughs) Just say it's true. Every tribe and tongue and nation and people, all Come together. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. All right, so let's check with our girls. How do you think they've done? All right, why don't you why don't you turn your board so we can see? Let's do a fill in the blank. Grace, are you still going? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. She says the kingdom of heaven is like a choir of God's children singing His praise. All right. That's a good answer. Yeah. We'll encourage you. All right. Grace in like the tiniest font ever. The kingdom of heaven is like a best friend. Yes. Okay. Good. Awesome. You guys can take a seat. Somebody else. Somebody else from the crowds, from the audience. The kingdom of heaven is like what? What did you put? What did you write? Permanent vacation. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Somebody else. The The love of a child. Yes. Like, awesome. The kingdom of heaven is like what? Interconnected hearts. hearts. Okay. Good. All right. All the way in the back. Ice Ice cream sundae. Man. Are you guys seeing it? Like, I... I know what we're doing today is a little bit different and and a little bit radical. Um but I want what I want you to see is like for Jesus, um it we talk a lot about the parables, but but for Jesus the the parable, like the, the method really wasn't the or 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 the story itself, like like I think they're I think the parables are awesome. Wheat and weeds and vineyards and all that kind of stuff. Like I think that's I think it's great. But I I think more important for Jesus was the message of the kingdom. Like, what are we using to celebrate and share the, the message of the kingdom of heaven? I think Jesus' use of parables gives us permission in a couple of different ways. I think Jesus' use of parable, as his followers, gives us permission to be persistent our world, our culture is always going to have trouble understanding the things of God. And Jesus' use of parables gives us permission to keep trying, to keep coming up with ways to explain and introduce people to God. Jesus' use of parables gives us permission to be persistent but also to be creative. How are you telling the story of God? How how are you explaining the story of God to to your four-year-old and to your high school student and to your grandkids? Be creative. God is creative. Willing to use all creation to introduce people to the kingdom of God. So use your imagination. Write and think. Be innovative be expressive, artistic, original. And finally, I think Jesus' use of parables gives us permission to risk. And, and this is maybe the one that, that we need the most. It's interesting that the farmer who sows the seeds, he doesn't stop sowing because some of the seed doesn't take root. Did you see that? Maybe you've tried sharing your faith and it wasn't received well or or in the way you expected. But that's no excuse to hang up the towel. The farmer places extremely high value on each and every seed, yet no farmer stops scattering seeds because of fear that some might not grow. A good farmer risks seeds in the hope of a harvest heard the story this week of a, a group of missional christians who have uh, been going to clubs i don't i don't know how it started or where their heart turned this way but they just started going to to uh i i've never been to a club so i don't, I don't know uh, but they they go to like the club scene uh i guess that's like second avenue and Nashville. I don't know. Where there I know there are clubs. Like so they just go to clubs and apparently at these clubs there are people that they just spend all night drinking and partying and doing all this kind of stuff. And these Christians are going to clubs, but they're not they're not participating in all of that stuff. They're going to clubs for the specific purpose of making sure that everyone gets home okay. And so they show up with bottles of water and they pay for taxi rides or Uber rides. You know, like like they pay for these things to make sure that every person gets home safely. And of course, their goal is like, hey, we want to introduce these people to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and, and all this kind of stuff. And the person that told me this story said, well, nobody really at the club has come to Christ or said, yeah, absolutely. I believe in Jesus now. My heart's so broken. Thanks for giving me an Uber ride. And like, like it, it hasn't happened. But they, but they keep going to the clubs. And do you know who is coming to Christ because of them? The doormen, The bouncers. It wasn't expected or planned, but the Christians would show up late and hand out bottles of water and start ushering people in. The doormen saw these Christians in the club wiping up the vomit and taking care of people, and they saw the Christians doing it night after night after night. And the doorman said, you know, this is is something that I would like to to know more about. (sighs) We must risk to share the kingdom of heaven with our world. I'll tell you about the good soil. In, verse thir- in chapter 13, verse 23, Jesus says this about the good soil. He said, the, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produced a, produce a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times as much as had been planted. Like, I would tell you, like, that's, that's impossible language. There, you, can't, you can't produce 100 times from a single seed. And yet, Jesus says that every one of us, at the very least, we have the potential to be the good soil. And as the good soil, our, our purpose then becomes to produce a harvest of righteousness. Our purpose is to use all the persistence and creativity we can muster to introduce earthly people who have not been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. Our purpose becomes to introduce those people, to the reality of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Are you using every available means that you have at your hand to teach people about the kingdom of heaven, to grow followers of Jesus Christ? It's time for you to sow that seed. If you've really heard this, like and, and understand, it's time for you to take that seed—the knowledge of God, of His kingdom—and share it with the world around you. In just a minute, we're going to have a time of communion, and we have the tables with the elements set up around the room. It's—it's it's part of our tradition. It's—it's it's a great place to break hearts to renew commitments to accept forgiveness. It's also a place to respond. If there's ways we can pray for you or serve you, or maybe today you're ready to give your life to Jesus, man, we would love that opportunity. It's, it's open to you always, but if you need somebody to pray for you, I'll, be, I'll, stand, I'll just move right back there to the back. Be happy to. But we pray at this table that you would be awakened to the reality of the kingdom of God. Maybe at this table, you would be encouraged to follow Jesus' example and share it with others. And maybe that'd be a great space. Uh, I don't want to intrude on your quiet time, but communion was always meant to be communal. Communal. So maybe it's a great place to share. You know, the kingdom of heaven is like... Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the example of Jesus. And uh, I pray that you would keep our... Our, our teaching and our thoughts always directed towards you. God, you had, your, your son Jesus had this internal fire that was always burning, always anxious, always looking for opportunities to share the kingdom. And so, Father God, how you can where you can stoke that fire in us. God, we know that there are those who don't know you, who haven't seen you, and now here we are with, given this incredible seed This incredible gift, fill us with compassion and desire to share the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, with everyone we meet. Don't let us be discouraged, but but help us to persist and use the the creativity, the uniqueness that you've given each and every one of us. To share the truth that, that your son, Jesus, is the son of God, that he came and he died so that all of our sins, the greatest crimes that we have ever committed, would be forgiven and so that we could have eternal life with you. Father God, may your kingdom come soon, and may we usher it in with the seeds that we spread. We love you, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says,